0: Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions
1: and the host of this show. Don Schwartz is an actor and journalist. His book, Telling Their Own Stories, Conversations with Documentary Filmmakers, is available from Amazon. His film reviews and filmmaker profiles appear regularly on FromTheHeartProductions.com, and he holds B.A. M.A. Ph.D. degrees in psychology and counseling. Today we will cover Plant Pure Nation, Mission Blue, Copy is Everything, and Nothing Left Unsaid. And Carol Dean and Don Schwartz love documentaries, they created this show to encourage people to watch more docs.
2: Yes, we did, Claire. Because we want to support documentary filmmakers, we think they're our greatest asset. They find in film stories that are unique and make a contribution to society.
1: Yes, and we're honored to have the documentary producer of Plant Pure Nation, Nelson Campbell, with us today. Don, would you please share your review of Plant Pure Nation?
3: Thank you, Claire. Uh, Plant Pure Nation It's a documentary film directed by Nelson Campbell, who was our interview for today, and it's produced by John Corey. To find the film before I go on, is you'll be going to the website, plantpurenation.com, and there's a lot of different ways to find the film. Plant Pure Nation is yet another film about healthy eating, diet, food, agriculture. I've seen a lot of those kinds of films. Plant Pure Nation stands out, and it stands out because the filmmaker Nelson Campbell is more than just a documentary filmmaker. He is living a life that is uh, part an overarching uh, overarching uh, mission, and uh, and his strategy. Is, I'm going to read his mission. I'm going to read his mission statement because I think it's so beautiful. Our mission is to lead a new grassroots movement sharing the life-changing message that plant-based nutrition can not only prevent a broad range of diseases and illnesses but also reverse some of the most dangerous chronic conditions and in the film uh... the most dramatic thing that uh... mister campbell does or that dr campbell uh... find out uh... is is to defy conventional wisdom he sets out to show that people who you think would would have just total resistance to improving their diet, to eating healthy foods and letting go of uh, the really unhealthy foods. Uh, he, he set out to prove that he could make that happen, and he does make that happen in this film. And that's a part of, of, uh, of an overarching strategy, again, to, to make big changes in not just a few people but in everybody. Uh, he, he documents these challenges and triumphs. and and promoting healthy eating to groups of people. And no matter how many films about food and diet you've seen, this one is worth seeing just for these stories, let alone uh, supporting uh, Mr. Campbell's uh, long-term strategy and long-term mission. Uh, It is one of the – I would say it's the most memorable film about food, agriculture, and healthy living I've seen. And uh, I want to go right to the interview because I'm excited to hear – (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Campbell and Carol talk. So uh, take it, Carol.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Don. No, it's uh, It's a film that is shocking in ways when you find out this information has been around for a long time, and why haven't we heard about it? That, that's in the back of your mind all the time you're watching this. How could I have missed this information? Um, see, Nelson, I've been a major fan of your father's, Dr. T. Colin Campbell For over 20 years, because I I had a cable show in the 90s called Health Styles, and the premise was that everything you ate, drank, and think directly affected your health, and would you believe that they, they did a... Uh, review in California, and they asked people, do you think what you eat and drink affects your health? And only 40% of the people said, yes, we do. The rest, 60% said, no, it doesn't matter. Mm. So when I found the China study, uh, of course we reported on health styles, but I thought that would change everybody's eating habits. But it just seemed to have been hushed up, and I never heard anything more about it, or I couldn't find anything on the news. It just seems like that you must still be dealing with the proletariat wanting you to just disappear and go away, Nelson. Tell us what's going on.
3: Well,
4: first, um, I just want to thank Don for this very kind comment, and uh, I am a mister and not a doctor. Um, I followed my father's footsteps in many ways, but not not into... uh, uh, graduate school. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it's true, uh, Carol, that, um, uh, you know, the way we look at food uh, has changed in in many ways, uh, but in, in some ways it hasn't. You know, we've, we've made some progress around the edges, but we still have a long ways to go. Uh, the good news is that I sense out there an openness to new ideas, about food and, and health that I didn't sense 10 years ago. So, um, you know, even though a lot of people are still eating just as they have for years and years, uh, people seem to be a little more open. So what we have to do is to figure out strategies to, to reach
2: them. Exactly. Well, can you just uh, bring the audience up to date with the China study?
4: Well, um, and, and you mean the research or the, or the book?
2: No, well, both. I mean, I love the book, mm-hmm. but the research is what I think is so important for people to understand. Yeah,
4: yeah so the China study um, was a study that my dad started back in the 1980s. Uh, there was a visiting scholar from China who came to his lab and worked with him, and uh, Dr. J- uh, uh, Junshi Chen, And my father learned from him that the Chinese government uh, had done a huge survey of mortality in China, looking at causes of death. And uh, my father realized that 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 provided an opportunity to do a kind of a study that had never been done before, looking at the relationship between diet and disease, all kinds of chronic disease. So to make a long story short, he did a massive epidemiological study, Uh, looking at at people across the country, looking at uh, actually measuring what they were eating and other lifestyle factors and then correlating that back to um, cause of death. And what he found across the board is that the closer people get to a whole food plant-based diet, the lower the incidence of all those chronic diseases. So it was really a remarkable finding.
2: Oh, I think uh, it is. Mm -hmm. That in itself should wake people up to realize that your diet really is the main thing that you can control in your life. And through a good diet, you can stay healthier.
4: Well, you know, there's two good things about it. First, it's the main thing that we can control. And then secondly, it's the most important thing for us to to control. It has the greatest effect on our, our health. So we have uh, enormous capacity to preserve our health, to improve our health, and you know, of course, many people have no concept of how much power they have over their over their health. It's really remarkable. Um, the stories that you know my fathers heard, and we've heard as we <clears throat> crisscross the country and talk to groups, uh, we've heard so many stories of healing. Uh, every time we do a, a film screening or a Q&A or a presentation, people come up and share the most remarkable stories. And, of course, that's all anecdotal in a way, but uh, but there are also many, many studies out there now that all uh, really confirm the incredible healing powers of a plant-based diet.
2: Well, I want to go, because uh, on your plant, uh, pureplantnation.com, your, your website, it says a growing number of celebrities, athletes, TV hosts, and nutrition experts have promoted plant-based diets in the past few years. So let's talk about some of these celebrities and athletes who are talking about plant-based diets.
4: Yes. Um, first, just to, to clarify, the name of the uh, film and the website is Plant Pure Nation. Sometimes every once in a while uh, people <laughs> want to flip the words Um <laughs> So, uh, uh, but it's Plant Pure Nation. Um, Thank yeah, you. There are, <clears throat> there are many uh, celebrities and, and people, sort of influencers out there in society now who are coming around to this idea. And that's one of the hallmarks of, of a tipping point when, when rapid change is about to happen. When those people who uh, are able to influence others, when, when you see them turning in a particular direction, you know, that's an indication that, that there's a serious opportunity for change. And I think that that's where we are now. I mean, every day you, you, know, you hear in the news, you hear of some other, you know, well-known person who's decided to go plant-based. And sometimes it's for health reasons, sometimes it's for animal welfare reasons, and sometimes it's for uh, environmental reasons or all of the above.
2: Well said, yes. Well, tell us about your pilot program documenting the health benefits of a plant-based diet.
4: Well, yes. Yeah. So what you're referring to is something that we did in a
2: small town in North Carolina,
4: a small rural town called Mebane, uh, kind of in the center of the Piedmont area. And um, we had just come off of a, a very ugly... Political chapter legislative defeat in Kentucky, and I don't want to give away too much and ruin the film for people, but I'll just say that um, on the heels of that defeat, uh, I came back to North Carolina and decided to make the case for the uh, for what it is that we were trying to do in Kentucky to make the case on my own back here in North Carolina in the town uh, near where I live. So, so we organized a program. It's a 10-day program and we called it our jumpstart program. And we did uh, pre and post biometrics, basically is the cholesterol testing, just basic lipid panel. And then we, uh, we started the program off by, by doing a biometric test and then doing a little bit of front end education. And then we had prepared meals for people each day for 10 days. And, uh, and then we continued to, to touch and coach them as we went through the process um, I actually, you know, set up shop next to the to the fridge where people would come in uh, to pick up their food and would talk to people. And and uh, then we also had a website where people could talk back and forth. And, and then we went through all of that. We did some cooking lessons. And then at the end, we did another follow-up biometric test. And when we did our first jump start in Mebane, I had a hard time. Uh, no one... Here has, you know, at least at that point, had read the China study or heard about it. No one was thinking plant-based. And so I had to do a lot of legwork to find 16 trusting souls to do that first jumpstart. Um, but that was the hardest part of the process. Once I got them, uh, through that first jumpstart, we were able to have a dramatic effect on everyone's health that went through that, that, that first one. And then after that, it was easier then to set up a second one and a third one, and a fourth one, and a fifth one. And each time we did it, it get, we got more and more people. It sort of started to go viral uh, in the community. And at the very end, we had 130 people, and we're turning people away because we had limited capacity. So it just showed how even in, on a, in a kind of a community where you know, it didn't really fit the demographic that marketing consultants would say that you go to when you're trying to sell wellness, people here, as they are everywhere, are, are very interested in their health. It's all in how you message, all all in how you message it, and, all, and how you connect it to people's values. And uh, if you do that properly, um, everyone, uh, you know, you, you can find a lot of receptive people.
2: Well, tell me what you mean when you say it had dramatic effects on their health.
4: Well, like for the first group, uh, it's actually in the film, but uh, I think our average cholesterol went from somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred down to one you know 150 or 150 something you know it was uh it was a dramatic uh reduction in total in cholesterol and 10 days ldl in t- in 10 days in LDL, ldl cholesterol which is a bad cholesterol and total cholesterol and we also had people who you know they had arthritis and and in 10 days it went away and um you know various other little ailments, but um, and then people just felt uh, really energized. Um, you know, just overall, the people felt much better.
2: Well, do you have any place that you share some of these recipes that you used in the Jump Start?
4: We do. We have a a cookbook that my wife has authored. She's been cooking this way for uh, gosh, twenty five to, to thirty years. Uh, her name is Kim Campbell she wrote a book called Plant Pure Nation Cookbook which people can find on Amazon Um, and also then we have a website plantpurenation.com and we have some additional culinary resources there as well recipes and videos and so forth and we'll be doing more of that as we go along but many of those jumpstart recipes are actually in my uh, in Kim's cookbook
2: wonderful okay because that's the first thing um, I remember um, Dr. Uh, Susser was saying uh, on some of our shows about health that if you just take one night, usually most people cook the same recipes every seven days. They rotate. They may have ten recipes that they rotate through the through the month. So if you substitute every week one plant-based diet meal. You can do, you're at 20% then practically of reducing your uh, meat consumption or your animal consumption uh, by 20%. And that's a good beginning. But it's always the recipe that the women want to know, what am I going to cook? So by your providing that, you're make, making a mi- major, giant step forward for all of us. Thank you for that.
4: Yeah, Um it is an important part of the equation is just uh, enabling people to eat this way affordably and conveniently. So we, we have recipes. We've got that cookbook. And we're also uh, launching as well um, kind of a foods, foods business that uh, will support people who want to, to stay plant-based or go plant-based.
2: Well, tell us about that food business.
4: Well, it's really tied into a larger strategy for launching a uh, grassroots movement. Um, as, as Don was suggesting at the outset, um, we we released the film in July in theaters of last year, and it ended up showing in I don't know maybe over a hundred cities so, total. So uh, you know, we had a pretty good release, and it was well received. And it's now on Netflix, and so the exposure that we've gained from that. Uh, has allowed us to launch a, a national uh, kind of grassroots strategy. And what we're doing, uh, the core part of that strategy, is organizing uh, local networks around the country. And we're calling each of these local networks of groups POD because uh, the idea is we're going to be planting a lot of seeds in, in, in local community seeds, seeds of change. And... Um, and a pod, again, it's a network. So when we go into a town or city, we're not trying to compete with existing groups. We're coming in and trying to connect groups that have been doing great things in the past but not working together, not working in a unified way. So, you know, there are a lot of groups out there who are focused on health, who are focused on, you know, uh, the environment or animal welfare or local food production. Um, and But they've all been doing their own thing. So, so the message of plant-based nutrition is something that connects to all of these groups. And so we're sort of trying to use that message as a unifying principle. And um, we've developed a, a web platform that will help us help facilitate the formation of these, these local networks and to foster communication and event planning and local activism. Uh, so we've, uh, we've been working on that. We also uh, had taken that Jumpstart program I mentioned, and that's now available uh, at our website, supported by a meal plan. So anyone in America uh, who wants to, in the continental U.S., who wants to try this, can. And then we have this foods business I referred to as well that we're beginning to expand. But all of this is focused on the idea of truly launching a movement um, there's a very strong social conscience behind this. So all the stuff that we're doing on the business side is intended to create a financial engine to help power, you know, to help power that. Um, in fact, we've come up with some, some ideas recently that I'm I'm really excited about. I, 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 th- I feel like we've kind of cracked the code for how we can get food into lower income communities um, very, very affordably. Um, we've, just come up with an idea for that will enable people who receive SNAP benefits, uh, food stamps, to use their EBT cards to purchase um, a new product line that we're rolling out. That's going to be very, very affordable, and we, we believe that um, that that using the approach that we're going to be using, that we're going to be people are going to be able to eat uh, a lunch and a dinner. And a breakfast, and maybe a couple snacks during the day, all for five dollars or less.
1: And, oh, um, heaven! And, and, How wonderful!
4: Yeah. And and that's that's because we're going to waive our profit margin uh, on those particular sales, and we've convinced our co packing partner to waive their profit margin as well. So, so the, these particular products that we're going to provide will be at cost and and accessible to people who have. You know, who are basically living off of um food stamps and they'll be able to have these foods delivered right to their door so um we're very excited oh, this about all of
2: what, that oh you should be nelson this is what a gift what a gift um there's so many uh communities that don't even have a grocery store with uh, greens in it they don't have any vegetables in their grocery stores Um, It is incredible how many cities have areas where people have to drive a long way to get to a grocery store with any of the foods that you're mentioning in your recipes and for your health. So this would make a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Um, Well, tell us, uh, now I really want to know how you became a producer. How did you get this film made?
4: Well, we had this uh, kind of unpleasant political experience in Kentucky, uh, and I would encourage everyone to go watch the film for details. <laughs> um, but we had this experience. Basically, the, the thrust of that is that we were trying to do something very, very positive, very so, you know socially meaningful. We were trying to demonstrate how this diet could affect the health uh, of a group of people in a, in a poor community in Kentucky, and we were going to self-fund it and so forth, and, so we weren't asking the state for a whole lot of support. We just wanted them to watch what we were, uh, we were going to do and, and then sit down with us afterwards and maybe talk about a statewide strategy. And, and so it was just a wonderful idea. It had, it had some philanthropic components to it. And, and, um, and then, you know, the, it had a lot of initial support, but then when it went behind closed doors, uh, it got very ugly, and we saw the power of money um, and how money can trump the public welfare, and after all of this happened, you know, it's kind of a depressing experience, uh, but I just decided, you know, we, we have to take a stand here. We have People have to understand why they haven't heard this before because a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, if this is so powerful, if this can cure heart disease and if this, if this can reverse type 2 diabetes and maybe even help in the treatment of cancer, how come we haven't heard this before? So people are incredulous. And so uh, after this happened in Kentucky, I decided we have to make this transparent. Everyone else has to see, uh, see this. So then I kind of concocted the storyline in my head that I thought I could drive. Um, And I said, boy, this would make a great film. (laughs) And this would be, this, this would be a way to, to make it
3: transparent.
4: So, you know, I'm, an entrepreneur by training and experience. And so, you know, taking on a new project is kind of exciting to me. You know, I'm not scared to do something new. And so I, I conceived of the idea, and then I approached some folks in the film business, and, and um, of course, Lee Falkerson and John Corey, both from Force Over Knives. And, um, and, and, and they were superb. Uh, we had a great editor. And what was so wonderful about the whole process is uh, uh, you know, John in particular spent a lot of time with me uh, coaching me and, and also Lee from a writing perspective, kind of coaching me and teaching me the skills of the trade, but never took the project over in the sense of taking it in, 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 in a direction that would be contrary to what I wanted to do. So they, they, they taught me the craft and then kind of took a half a step back and respected my judgment and allowed me to – to play the role of, of director and writer, to express what I wanted to express. And so, you know, those, we could not have done the film without them. They were absolutely critical to the success of the film. And, again, we had a fantastic editor as well, just world-class editor. So I was very fortunate.
2: Well, no, the editing in the film is fantastic because it's you can't, you have to pause it. Yeah, it's not one of the films that you can run to the kitchen and get a cup of coffee or tea. You cannot miss three minutes of the film because it is so tight. It's well-edited, and you're uh, you're just about to say, oh, my heavens, I can't believe that, and wham, you're off to a whole new concept that is even more thrilling. Uh, so it's the cinematography, uh, the story. Uh, the, we When we do uh, films in our grant, Nelson, we have a little grant over here from the heart. And we say, what are the three most important things about a film when we get a submission? And it's story, story, story. And you fit that. I mean, your story is so compelling. And that means that it has been well written, and you've thrown out all the other stuff that you'd love us to know, but it's taking you off the track. I'm trying to stay on the track and just teach you one thing here. And you have done a marvelous job with that.
3: Yeah,
4: that was actually the very top of my my list of objectives was to make it story-driven. I knew that we were going to digress into areas to sort of educate the viewer, but I wanted the story to to carry people through all of that, and I wanted it to be a pulsing, dramatic Storyline, so for me, it was all about story, and then it, whatever else we did, we kind of wove around that that
3: that story thread Nelson I'd like it's
2: to
3: say, Nelson, I'd like to say one more thing about why I <laughs> want people to specifically see the film that uh, you've made it very easy to connect with your your mission and your organization through the website. but this film really got me, and it got me for two reasons: one is that uh The filmmaker and the cause and the mission and the issue is one, and that's unusual. The other is your character. I was totally blown away at how deftly you responded to the barriers that were put that you faced, and you you gracefully and found your way to walk around them. and And that is that was uh, that made you a hero. That made you a hero of mine. And uh, so I'm really happy to, to uh, have seen the film and to uh, promote the film. I want people to see this, this story because uh, there's lessons for everybody in how you dealt with your barriers.
4: Yeah I, think, yeah, I think a couple things about that is, first, um, I think it's important when we have challenges um, to be persistent. You know, um, there's, always, there's always a solution to every problem. Uh, you just sometimes you have to think think a little harder uh, to, to find it, but there's always a solution to every problem. Uh, secondly, um, I also think it's important that when you face a challenge, that 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 that, that we don't react uh, out of out of um, anger or or too much frustration or demonize the other person who may be standing in the way, and we we tend to do that a lot in our society. We tend to demonize the people who don't agree with us, and we tend to insult them, and and we we stop listening to them, which which is also a problem because there's truth everywhere, there's there's strands of truth everywhere, and it's very important to be open and to be empathetic and to be humble, and if, and then if you combine that with persistence, then you know great things can happen, and um, the other overall point I'll make. Uh, is that what we're really wanting to do here is to create a movement where everyone can be a hero, you know, in in their own lives first, but then the lives of those around them. Um, It's really about creating a strategy and a system and an infrastructure that empowers people, connects people together uh, in the community. That's what I get most excited about when I go out and I see what other people have done. You know, in their families and in their communities and in their lives, it just fills me with uh, so much um, energy. You know, I uh, I just get so excited to 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 see what other people are doing. That's why I, you know I don't understand sometimes the the political culture that exists in this country. You know, I don't. I'm sure you've been turning your TV sets on tune watching the news, but there's just this continuous 24/7 fixation on what you know, these people are, you know, these presidential candidates and politicians are going to do for us. But the reality is they're really not going to do anything for us. If we're going to transform the world, we have to all come together so that we can all be heroes in our families and communities and make change. And and that's a deep idea. It's a transformative idea. It's going to require massive change, political and otherwise, if we really want to go in that direction. But it's the only way. You know, this idea of top-down, one person doing it, it's it's not it has never worked and it's, and it never will work.
2: Well said, you're quite right. Well, two two things. One, I want you to give me the name of the book that your wife wrote. Um, again.
4: Yes, um, that is PlantPureNation.com. dot I'm giving my web address. <laughs> It's okay. A plant Plant Pure Nation
3: Cookbook. Yeah, plant Pure, plant Nation, Pure cookbook. Nation Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: and does and that refers uh, for someone who doesn't know uh, about the China Study, it mentions what it is and then goes into recipes.
4: Um, I'm trying to remember if we had something in the China Study. I don't re- recall about that, but we do have some. Actually, I think there is some some stuff on the front end uh, relating to that, and also through our film, we have some. Uh, information on the film spread throughout, and then we've got those great recipes, and Kim also has information about building a pantry and, you know, all all of that stuff.
2: Oh, great. Well, to buy the film um, or to get a DVD copy, where you go to your website?
4: Uh, yes, they can go to plantpurenation.com to the store, uh-huh. and then we also mm-hmm. have uh, people can license the film to screen. And then it's also available uh, other places as well, and, and most of all, it's on Netflix. So that's that's an easy way for a lot of people to watch it.
2: Yeah, that's what we did. Well, tell us about your idea for a sequel.
4: Well, we have an incredible opportunity with a couple healthcare systems. Uh, one in Florida, it's a one point five billion dollar system, and one in um, in Texas. And these two healthcare systems. Uh, We've had a lot of interaction with them. They all started with the screening of my film, and I met some of the leadership of those systems and some, some of the physicians and just started this dialogue that led to this incredible opportunity that we have for a formal collaboration where we're going to be developing uh, food as medicine models. As I, as I oftentimes say, oh, they're oh, so, far, so far outside the box that you can't see the box <laughs> anymore. Oh, and then I love also, it. And then also uh, a very important part of this collaboration will be working with those systems to lead campaigns using our pod platform in each of their respective communities so that the system will sort of become an anchor institution or player helping to heal a whole community. And uh, there, there's a lot more detail to it than that, but, but the idea is to, to document all of this and, and to build a story from this for a, either a sequel production or some kind of maybe reality series or something. But uh, but but we just want to be able to document it and share it so that it can inspire similar efforts across the country. Because there's the healthcare system a lot of, or go ahead.
2: There's nothing better than a, the one-on-one story. You tell me your story, and you could sell me more than 20,000 commercials.
4: Yes, it's all about story. And of course, Mark Twain knew that better than anyone. But you know, if you want to get into people's heads, you tell a story. So I I agree.
2: True. Well, this is so exciting. Oh my gosh! Uh, thank you very much. We'll all be on your website. We can see it on Netflix. We can buy it on Pure uh, on Plant Pure Nation, and yes. we can get uh, your your wife's cookbook on. Um, Amazon, as well as your website, both places?
4: Yes. Yep, just plantpurenation.com.
2: Okay. All right. Well, thank you so very much for the work you're doing because you're raising the consciousness of the planet about diet and health and how important the diet is for your health. Well,
4: also, thanks for your uh, kind words and thanks for what you do. Um, You know, you're out there uh, generating information, That's informative and meaningful, and and that's very important. So, you know, thanks for all you do, and thanks for having me.
2: Okay, Nelson. Best of luck to you. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Don, um, I think that uh, the most important thing is that our next film, Mission Blue, this film starts out with 90% of the fish in the ocean are gone, And since this is a true statement, as shocking as it is, this information makes what Nelson Campbell's agenda is telling us even more important. Uh, I know that fish is a wonderful food to eat when compared to meat or pork, but if we cut down on the fish consumption, too, we can make a major contribution to saving the oceans. The film Mission Blue introduces us to Sylvia Earle, who is a marine biologist, explorer, lecturer, author, and a woman driven with an urgent need to educate us on the critical status of our oceans and what the ocean contributes to life on the planet. Most people don't realize how important it is to us surviving. And her main concept is protect the ocean, the same way that we protect our land. She says if there is no blue, there is no green, because this planet cannot survive without the oceans. She shows us in this film how our oceans are at a critical state with many dead zones. She wants to educate us to recognize this problem and support her in creating Hope Spots, These are networks of marine protected areas that maintain healthy biodiversity, provide a carbon sink, generate life-giving oxygen, preserve critical habitat, and allow low-impact activities like ecotourism to thrive. They are good for the ocean, which means they're good for us. So Sylvia is asking each of us to support these hope spots to preserve large portions of the ocean. So you may be thinking, how can I do this? You have to be aware that this is needed and understand why. So once you see this film, you can get on board and you can either contribute or you can contribute time or you can promote this film to friends and family and screen it. We've got to get people to realize the importance of our oceans and what terrible condition they're in right now. Sylvia says that so far all we've done is just kill things in the ocean and the hope is to get places where the potential is identified and concrete action is taken to bring back those areas. And Mission Blue takes you to places where the oceans were teeming with life just a few years ago. And today they are dead zones, This is a film that needs to be seen, believe me, because you want to know what's happening to the planet. It's our planet. We're the ones that can save it. Acting together with knowledge, we can rebuild the ocean one host spot at a time. And James Cameron was in the film, and he said that we have to rewire how humans look at our relationship to nature. Well, I believe seeing Mission Blue is the first step towards rewiring how we look at our oceans. So, Don, give us your review on Mission Blue. Well,
3: thank you, Carol. Uh, First of all, I want to always refer to the filmmakers and acknowledge them. This is directed by Robert Nixon and Fisher Stevens, and it's distributed by Netflix. And uh, this is similar to Plant Pure Nation. It's about an issue and a cause, but it's also about the person of Sylvia Earle. And I was just as impressed with who this person is, and uh, the tremendous difference she 's making as I was with the uh, the horrific news that she provides about our care of the ocean and when Alien came out, they had this phrase uh, no one no one can hear in space, no one can hear you scream well in the ocean, no one can see you dump, and no one can see you see you fish illegally and I, and i 'm starting to see some more attention given to the ocean, and i 'm wondering if that 's uh, that's equal if not even greater than the issue of what's going on in our air although what's going on in our air is impacting the ocean in addition to our other activities so the film tells Sylvia Earle's personal story it gives her biography and it goes over her work and and, and it also promotes her her organization and her mission and, it is, uh, and it's also beautiful it, it says beautiful as it is horrific in terms of the the information she gives. And this is uh, very much like uh, Plant Pure Nation. This is a film that you just need to see, you have to see. And I have to make a confession. Uh, I've heard about issues with fish in the ocean before. I was never moved. So I have given up eating fish.
2: Oh, my gosh, good for you. Just think of what you can do. One person is a beginning. Thank you very much.
3: And so, again, it's on Netflix, and the woman's name is Sylvia Earle, and the title is Mission Blue.
2: Yeah, it's a great film. So, uh, all right, let's go to Everything is Copy. This is by Nora Ephron, or it's about Nora, sorry. It's called Everything is Copy, Nora Ephron, Scripted and Unscripted. And I'll tell you, the title is excellent because think about living your life thinking all of your expenses are copy. Uh, No matter what happens to you, you come home and start talking about it, that is copy, something for you to write about. It's a great way to deal with tragedy or mistakes you make or comedy. Uh, Even Blake Edwards said that there's nothing better to use for your films than real-life experiences. Uh, Nora was raised in a loving family where expressing yourself was encouraged, and she was a brilliant writer. She had to constantly push that glass ceiling to get to the very top of Hollywood. She was not a quitter. She had the tenacity to keep going through thick and thin, and her understanding of human beings and her lack of fear in writing made her someone that many of us sincerely loved, even though we never met her. And this film, Everything is Copy, is a great way to get to know the woman who gave us so much love-filled entertainment. In this film, we get inside her family, her mind, her life, and it's all very interesting. Her son is a brilliant storyteller, so this apple did not fall far from the tree. Nora was a very smart comedian, filmmaker, reporter, and a talented writer who entertained us with stories that we could relate to. And she created scenes with things that many of us have done. So we weren't really laughing at the film. We were laughing at ourselves because we knew we'd experienced that. Um, And you always feel like that she took some of her copy from your own life. So if you think Sleepless in Seattle, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, timeless film. Think Julia and Julia, Karen Silkwood. I mean, any of those films I would watch again. They are so wonderful. She was considered one of the best essayists because she created a new form of writing. She was bigger than directors and writers. She knew what she wanted, and she simply went out and did it. She had the ability, they say, to write herself out of trouble when she had a problem with her script. She was smart, insightful, witty, And a great lady. And women looked up to her like an icon. And when she died, I realized what a great loss it it was to lose her. And I was not alone. Millions of us felt this great loss. Even though we didn't know her, we loved how she smashed the glass ceiling. She wrote films that touched all of us. I really recommend this film because I think it's full of wonderful visuals, heartfelt interviews, and joy, This is an empowering film. So tell us what your review is of this film, Don.
3: Well, thank you, Carol. Uh, By the way, I'm going to add Sleepless in Seattle to your list of the films that she directed, most directed. Uh, I want to also mention her son's name is Jacob Bernstein, the director, and the film is available on HBO, and I'm sure it will be available on other home video uh, methods uh, soon. And I – Nora Ephraim is the kind of person that uh, I probably would never find in my life, and she lived in a kind of world that I'll probably never live in but at the end of the film, I felt as if Nora Ephron was a friend of mine it, it covered her from pretty much almost birth to death and and uh, when it came to her death, I found myself grieving and i I noted that uh many of the interviewees uh had a a cut they had they they were grieving as they told the story. And these interviewees included Mike Nichols, Rob Reiner, Rosie O'Donnell, Lena Dunham, Reese Witherspoon, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, and Steven Spielberg. And so after you watch this film, you have gotten to know a person, and you you lived her life with her, and you you see some of the issues that she deals with in your life, too. And uh, I think uh, as far as the filmmaker, Jacob Bernstein, uh, uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. We're going to see more from him.
2: Absolutely, for sure. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. You did too, right?
3: Absolutely.
2: You felt like you knew her. That's what got to me because I'd always looked at her with such respect, and then I got to know who she was and how she was raised and all the things she had to do in her life to over to break through the restrictions that were everybody was trying to put on her. And uh, I, boy, I think she's an icon for all of us. Well, Don, tell us your review of Nothing Left Unsaid about Gloria Vanderbilt.
3: Yes, uh, Carol, I'm noting that the four films all uh, feature uh, individual characters, and uh, they're all powerful, and they're all making differences in our, in our lives. And so this one is about Gloria Vanderbilt, and I also confess that the name Gloria Vanderbilt was all I had. Uh, uh, it pretty much uh, the name over over the last few years went in my left ear, uh, skipped my brain, and went out my right <laughs> ear. And, and, and I I, w- I wondered why do I what why should I see a film about Gloria Vanderbilt? And whenever I ask that question, uh, uh, that means I'm in for a whopper because <laughs> I was hit really hard by this one. Uh, uh, what again? The full the full title is Nothing Left Unsaid gloria vanderbilt and anderson cooper it is directed by liz garbus who is herself a hero she's made so many great documentary films i'd like to see a documentary film about her and it's it's distributed by hbo and it's part biography and part autobiography it's part uh, autobiography because gloria vanderbilt is still with us and she was 91 at the making while they were making this film about a year and a half ago i guess and she did not look she did not sound and she did not act, act like someone who is 91 and we follow no. her we follow her through through from birth and she lived she, in this one life she has lived many lives and uh, it was utterly fascinating to to follow the phases and stages of her lives and 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 the, uh, the the seemingly endless tragedies she had to face and deal with and Uh, I I would say, I would call this documentary Epic in Structure. It is stunning. It's stunning in its story, in its images, and its characters. She's an artist, so you get a a lot of artwork in addition to everything else. And at the end of the film, uh, this is what I felt. If I was a mogul, I would get the clearance, and and I would produce a 10- to 20-part miniseries about this woman's life and her character.
2: Oh wow, how smart of you. Absolutely right. She is really an incredible being. Well said. Well said. Well, I I tell you, you know, when she she got over 3 million dollars at a time when everyone else lived on under $200 a month. She was in the press all the time as the ri- little rich girl, and her mother, Mrs. Vanderbilt, was found unfit after her relationship with another woman was exposed. So the judge took refused to let Gloria's mother take care of her. So they took away her mother, and then the judge got rid of her nurse. So she suffered a double loss, and she went to live with people she didn't know. So Gloria was not a Whitney, and she was not a Vanderbilt. She seemed not to belong anywhere. Um, and she said that, The happiest part of her life was at the Wheeler School, where she was able to express herself with her art. Uh, It was at Wheeler where she really began to find herself. Uh, She loved art, and you're going to see her art throughout the whole film, and it's incredible. Why she hasn't been spoken of and revered more uh, with her art is beyond me. But um, going and she admitted that she was starstruck. That's what's so good about this film, because she's there to tell us, oh, yes, and this is why I did that and the other. And she said her mother let her go out with these guys and let her do pretty much what she wanted to do. I would imagine after being removed from her all those years, her mother probably was very lenient with her. She was just glad to have her back in her life. And Gloria's second marriage was to the brilliant conductor, Leopold Tchaikovsky. She was only 20 years old, and he was 63. And he was a father that she never had, and he took great care of her. And Gloria said that his love inspired her, and she had her eldest son stand by him. And she traveled with him. The two of them were very close until she decided that she wanted to be an actress, And that's when she met Frank Sinatra, Cindy Lumet, Mr. Cooper, Anderson Cooper's father. So, this film is about life the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Gloria is a strong woman, and I'll say from what I saw that she's been through hell in this lifetime. This story is full of art, love, and loss. She was so mistreated when her mother was taken away from her as a child. She felt all alone. And at Wheeler, studying art, she she found how to bring all of those feelings out and put them in her art. So you'll be amazed how talented she is. Her art is throughout the film, and I could not see enough of it. She has so many different styles that you're totally engaged with the depth of her art. Uh, The structures, the colors, and the emotion. It is emotional art. Gloria is a brilliant artist, a loving mother, a talented actress, and I felt that Anderson Cooper's love of his mother comes through the screen and it just envelops you. He loves Gloria so much that you feel it in every frame of the film. And Gloria just wanted a lot of simple things in life that were often denied to her. And losing her husband, Cooper, so early in her marriage was devastating. Gloria said that you need to come to terms with grief, and then you can start your life. She had to live through her uh, son, Carter Cooper, jumping from the 13-story window at 23 years old in front of her. She lost her husband and then her son 13 years later. She lost her mother as a child. So loss and overcoming it is a major part of this film. And then that old saying becomes very real to you. Money can't buy you happiness. Uh, And if you look at the scene at the end when Gloria reads a note about having a hard heart, the hard heart of a child, uh, it's very important. That truly may be about Gloria. Gloria. I don't think she ever got over the loss of her mother when she was a child. Uh but if you love art, family and even Anderson Cooper, then you should see this film. That's what I think, Don. Hear, hear. <laughs> Great. Okay, so we're gonna have uh four more films for you next month. And we sincerely thank you for joining us. Uh, Don, thank you for your stunning reviews and Claire, thanks for hosting the show and we'll be back next week with uh Corky Kessler, the top film attorney with updates on raising money online for features and docs and answering questions on film funding. So take good care. Okay.
3: Thank you Carol. Thank you Claire.
2: All right. Okay, everyone,
0: thanks. Be well.
2: Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: those other guys make your family share
3: data switch to t-mobile now and get four lines with up to six gigs each of 4g lte data just 30 bucks a line and no sharing
0: so ditch your data worries and switch to the uncarrier today get to t-mobile or call 1-800-T-Mobile limited time offers plus taxes and fees capable device required coverage not available in some areas see store for details